Patriots, Freedom Fighters throughout Saskatchewan, across the country, and around the world. Uh, hey, do me a favor, you guys. Share this out. Uh, I'm so terribly shadow banned on Facebook. It's uh, it's it's ridiculous. Um, of course, we are streaming on five Facebook platforms of mine. We're on YouTube, Twitter, and DLive. Um, so, yeah. Welcome. I got it. We got a great show tonight. Um, we have the Calgary firefighters that are suing their employer over the mandatory jab. Um, you may have seen these fellas on Laura Lynn's show and on the rebel, uh, as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that discussion, uh, very much. So yeah. So yeah, do me a favor, share this out. Appreciate it, Kimberly. Um, a couple other things just, we got to get out of the way here first. So there's a huge protest coming up um, on Saturday, the 23rd, in support of the Dutch farmers, as well as in support of our own farmers, because they're going to be facing very similar restrictions, very similar conditions uh, in the very near future as the Dutch are. Trudeau has said back in 2020 that he wants to reduce the use of nitrogen fertilizer uh, by at least 30%, which will be extremely destructive to our farms uh, here in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta, even in the lower mainland uh, and throughout Ontario. And let's face it, there's a lot of farmers there as well. Um, and, and just in comparison, the, the Dutch farmers they have a little bit smaller operations. It's a little smaller country, considerably smaller. I think you can fit Holland in half of Saskatchewan. So, you know, the impact is going to be enormous on our farms here in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, Alberta, Lower Mainland and throughout Ontario. So um, it's really important that we, we, uh, we come together on mass. I, I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing, uh, convoys and slow rolls um, in, in Yorkton, in North Battleford, in Lloyd Minister, in Swift Current, the, the big one in Saskatchewan, Moose Jaw to Regina. Um, and that's just here in Saskatchewan. I mean, um, it, it's pretty impressive what's happening across the country. Um, Sarah says, I can't connect to your live because Facebook. And thank you for your continued actions. Yeah, you betcha. Well, that's just Facebook. It's what they do. Um, so anyways, lots of people doing lots of putting lots together here for this Saturday. Um, so I'm very encouraged by what's coming. We're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, later on in the show. But uh, without further ado, I have, a, I have a couple of fellas in my uh, green room waiting to come on. So I'm just going to show you a quick clip of the uh, interview that was done 
with Rebel Media. I'm not going to show it all, just the, just the first few seconds of the interview. Uh, I quite enjoyed this part of the interview. Um, Stephen probably knows which part I'm referring to, so uh, I'll just go ahead and play that now. Well, obviously, it's disappointing. I would never feel like Donsworth was one of our own. He's never been a lieutenant or captain of the City of Calgary Fire Department. Quite frankly, we all know that he couldn't manage a fire scene to save his own life, let alone yours or mine. Um, the reason is why are people like Donsworth placed in these positions of power? It's not because of their skill or ability. It's because they'll say yes to the politicians and special interest, interest groups behind them. I just think the pressure from the top down, you know, from our political pressure being pushed down onto our municipalities and each of our business departments in the city, it's, I'm not sure where the pressure is coming from, but it's further up the food chain than any of us realize. So I just wanted to start with that clip. And, and I know you two fellows have never met me before, so I'll give you a little bit of my background and my understanding of where you're coming from. I worked in corrections for 25 years, uh, federally for 17 and eight and provincial. And I was also a fire instructor with the federal corrections. Um, so I understand the bureaucracy. I understand how uh, the lack of leadership is a huge problem. And so I completely understand and identify with what you had to say there, Stephen. So do me a favor, fellas, and, and, and tell us, tell our viewers, What's happened? Where, where you've been, what you've gone through, and where you're at today? Yeah, Steve Dubois. I'm with the. I was with Calgary for um, 20 years. Uh, obviously, now f former Calgary firefighter. My last position was captain, the role of captain. Um, yeah, I had to make a hard decision when it came down to the vaccination policy. I was off with work uh, injury, and we had decided. Um, when I'd return, if I was going to be, have to be mandated, if I wasn't going to be given any leeway, um, that I was going to resign at that point. Cause there was no, they gave us no indication that this was ever going to let up. The option was to go on unpaid leave, which is right. constructive dismissal. Um, I believe it's already been, uh, stuff has been passed at the Supreme court of Canada to decide that. So that's already been set. So, I kind of had to make that decision because I wasn't going to go along with the testing and I wasn't going to go along with the vaccination policy. Obviously I wasn't going to get vaxxed um, because of the things I had seen on the job. Right. Um, and also what I had learned over the course as I was doing the research. So are you, are you willing to share what you've seen while on the job? Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. It's probably the end of March of 2000, early April where we started seeing like I started seeing strange things. Um, and I guess I recognize them because I was following the Dr. Cole and Peter McCullough, um, other doctors who had done the research and were getting um, persecuted for speaking out. They were getting canceled by mainstream media and had the pressure put to them by the courts and stuff. And so that was also a question. Why are, why are these people now being ostracized when they were held as the highest level of right. uh, medicine and science prior to that. So I we're lucky because the United States was ahead of us. So I'd spent a lot of time seeing what was going on there. And I was listening to podcasts um, like Stop the Shot and Peter McCullough's stuff and Dr. Cole's stuff. And as it came to our turn, most people in 
our region, I think we're able to have received one, if not two shots by April or May of 2021. There were a lot of calls that we had seen people um, dying in their sleep, people with swelling issues, people with heart and stroke issues, like young people in their 20s, 30s and 40s that we've we've never seen before. Um, Even people like girls, I remember going to a girl, she was 18 years old with these incidents and no history of that. So that was a particular strange thing. I don't know if you know, but firefighters in Calgary, about 50% of their calls are medical calls. We're all trained first medical responders. Um, So, um, well, and that's the thing. I mean, they, you know, I remember a while ago, they started to um, add the narrative of children and, and normalizing the idea that children have strokes. There was an advertisement on a bus I seen in Saskatoon that was literally promoting the idea that children have strokes too. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then and then of course this ridiculous ads, um, sudden adult death syndrome. I mean, it just gets more and more ridiculous as we get further into this. I could be wrong, but the last stat I heard was um, the highest. Um, cause of death in Alberta was unknown. <laughs> so yeah, right. unknown, unknown what yes. changed, what changed in the last year, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And Mike, what was your experience? Sorry about that, Mark. I'm, uh, I'm just having a hard time uh, here and I'm trying to get my volume higher here. So I, I, I couldn't, I'm having a hard time hearing what's going on. I apologize. No, I was just asking you what your experience was leading up to where we are this at this at this point in time. Yeah, um, I kind of heard a little bit about what Steve was saying. I know we, uh, <clears throat> uh, I don't know how far back uh, you guys want, wanted, wanted to go, but, uh, you know, back just back with the, uh, you, when all these, uh, uh, when everything uh, started kind of coming out with the mandates and stuff, as we were going out on calls, I know Steve talked more specific about, uh, certain calls but when i was going out there i found more that uh just just the uh the misinformation that people had and the misinformation that the you know through the media and the government have been pushing on people how they thought that uh you know you'd go out there and this uh the vaccine was this you know magical thing that was just going to stop everything from happening and you'd go to calls and uh you know we usually we were the first on scenes but once the paramedics arrived and stuff they'd be like the paramedics say, well, you know, you probably have this. And they'd be, well, what do you mean? I, I can't have that. I, I, I have the vaccine. And they're like, well, no, that's that's not the way it works. You can still get it. You can still spread it. Uh, so it was just, to me, the big thing was just the uh, the misinformation and how, uh, yeah, and how it was being spread. Yeah. And Gord, your experience? Well, I put 25 years in a service Um and so I, I was uh, lucky enough to be able to uh, retire um, as a qualified district chief, um, but I did do it under duress. I still had a bunch of years left to work. Um, and my experience was really similar to all the fellows there, um, except that as a, as a district chief, I had to interact with crews and I had to share this mis- misinformation with crews um, and it was forced on me. And I, I remember one of my last uh, uh, tasks assigned to me uh, was that I had to phone uh, the stations one night uh, on shift and offer a private vax clinic to the crews um, and offered them to to go to this clinic while on duty. And I absolutely felt sick about being assigned this. And I felt like I was targeted because of my beliefs uh, to do this. Um, so I, 
you know, I would phone the crews, the stations, and then talk to the captains. And, uh, you know, all of them would ask me the same thing. Are we able to, I had the Moderna shot. Are we able to take the Pfizer? What shot are they offering us at these clinics? And really, we had no informed consent, none. We didn't know what we were putting. These guys didn't know what they were putting in their bodies. Um, And so I had to tell them, I I think they're offering the Pfizer. If you got the AstraZeneca, it's up to you whether you want to mix it. I don't know. And, you know, when I did phone to confirm whether this was, you know, the case, could you mix the drugs? I was told, yeah, let them go. They're, they're, they're able to do that. They can mix it. And, you know, at that point, well, even before then, but I just, I could not fall in line with that. I could not. And I knew that this policy was, was going to just keep festering and keep getting worse and worse. And so I had to make the choice three months before my retirement to, to call it. And uh, cause I didn't see it getting any better. So I had retired in December um, and had the plan three months before that, just in preparation for that. Right. So were all three of you guys involved in that in that action that was taken outside? I guess it was outside City Hall, where you guys sort of stood in 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 silence. Yeah, I was. I was there. Um, it's third row. If you're looking at the screen, I'm on the left side. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was there as well. Yeah. And so, how were you received when you took that action? Um, to be honest, it was. I felt standing there in, in silence with the fallen brothers. And um, it was probably one of the proudest moments of my career. I thought we were sure. doing something to make a real powerful statement that um, we knew something was wrong here and that this was a violation of our freedom in this country. Um, and that uh, to stand there in silence with our, our brothers um, who have passed on, um, thinking about their sacrifice and what we were being called to do and the decisions that we had to make. Um, I think it, it, it gave me the strength and courage to do what I had to do next. Well, and that's the interesting thing about all of this is, I mean, when you guys, when you guys arrive on a scene, I'm, I'm wondering why it's so necessary that you need to be vaccinated. When you arrive on a scene, you're, you're, you're pretty, covered off i mean most of you are wearing scba most of you are you know you're in full gear um how is it that you're going to transmit this virus through all that gear yeah i I guess if you're did you guys i can respond if you guys want yeah so like the science behind the masks yeah the whole masking thing like we could go off on a whole other show here but i'll just put it like absolutely yeah it's it's the one of the biggest deceptions of the whole thing um for it says right on all of the N95 masks, yeah. this product will not protect you from virus, the spread right. of virus. Right. So it's like, putting up a, it's like putting up a chain link fence to keep mosquitoes out of your yard. That's right. Yeah. Cause that's they're, they're It's made to stop blood or spit. Um, right. Not, not super small virus uh, particles and cells. So what my research has led me to look at the occupational health and safety guideline. And I believe in there, talking about spread of virus has to do with um it's a class three hazmat suit um with no seams um completely covered and to be on a secured airway so scba or sar right right, so that um there's absolutely no um way that the virus can get through and it has to be pressurized too so Thinking that a cloth mask or an N95 is going to stop the spread of a virus is beyond ridiculous. Right. One of the biggest issues with us going into scenes, um, 
you know, with his masks on and with his Tyvek suits on, these blue suits that aren't fully encapsulated, um, going into scenes to these anxiety, already anxiety-ridden patients, um, yeah. was that we escalated that anxiety. And uh, so we would see a person sure. with mild symptoms escalate to mm. huge anxiety and, and go right to, to a heart attack or, or uh, angina. And so us, we, we going in, us going in with these suits on and these masks perpetuated the problem. And it was completely unnecessary, completely. And I will say this to add to Gord's point is that the majority of the masks we went to after the vaccine, or no, even well, prior to the vaccine rollout as well, at the beginning of the uh, pandemic of, well, I guess really the beginning of the lockdowns and media buzz, what I'm saying, the beginning of the pandemic, because that was actually when the pandemic was ending. <laughs> it was right around March, April of 2020. Um, were driven by anxiety. People would test, have false positives, think that they had COVID and that everybody was telling them on the media, the politicians that they're gonna die and stuff. But going to check them out, uh, going through the symptoms, they were having anxiety attacks, not any COVID symptoms. Um, typically they had a headache and th thought they had a fever. Um, when we checked their oxygen saturation levels, they're 99% of the time they were fine. So I, I think Mike's having some trouble with his connection. Um, so where are we at then? So you guys, at what point decided to get together and and put together this lawsuit against, I guess, the city of Calgary? You know, I, I can speak to that a little bit, Steve. I'll start out. You know, talking about that uh, memorial, the, the city hall memorial stance that we had, that was the last um, – of the brotherhood of the fire department, I, I can see happening. I, at that point, um, I thought we were going to come together as a brotherhood, sisterhood, whatever, and uh, bond and come together against this, this ideology and these policies. Um, and I thought at that point we were at the peak, we were going to make it work and it, it didn't happen. But um, I think from, from that point on, I think that we found each other uh, at city hall and found like-minded people and we're able to get together. And, and it was a great feeling to know that there's others out there. We were all individuals pretty much up to that point. And uh, we we just grabbed onto each other and, and uh, it was a good feeling. Yeah, it was, uh, um, like me and Gord worked on different shifts and uh, different ranks. And we almost, I don't even think we worked a shift on the floor together that I can remember, hey, Gord? No, I don't think Yeah, it. so we kind of got to know each other through this uh, fight. And uh, he's a brother for life, let's put it that way. <laughs> right, right. So were you guys fired or you just resigned before they could fire you? Yeah, I was forced to resign because that was going to be kept on. I was, I tried to resign. They wouldn't let me. They put me in unpaid leave. <laughs> <laughs> right. The documents are pretty hilarious. And, and uh, I, I, I can't imagine. see I can't say any other word but damning when it comes to the courts, right? right. Uh, right. Uh, as far as the dis the deputy chiefs are concerned, and uh, our chief, anybody who has their name on those uh, on those docs. Um, so, yeah. So in my story, I tried to resign. They wouldn't let me. Um, they put me on an unpaid leave. I had pre-planned this. I, me and my wife uh, went back to human. Resources, City of Calgary, Top Dogs, Top Brass, and got to the bottom of it. And of course, a few days later, they had allowed me to resign. Right. Accepted right. my resignation. 
And, you know, none of us were given a clear answer from the union either. We were all threatened with the possibility of termination that they were, we were all told that and we didn't know what the stance was going to be. So I, I had to make the choice to retire. I was able to do that. Unlike these guys. So you were um, close to retire. You were three months out from just regular retirement. Anyway, well, right? Is that what you said? Yeah, I hadn't planned it. I mean, it was definitely in a duress right. because I had five years left, but you know, I was okay. able to take the minimum retirement at that point. Okay. But we were never given a clear idea of where the union stance was. And it, it, it slowly worked its way to, we knew that they were against us. We knew there, there was no support for us from our union. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. I'm going to let Mike answer his experience as far as was he fired or did he resign? Go ahead, Mike. Uh, yeah, I actually, uh, I did resign. I think the same thing. I, uh, we did, I didn't, uh, you know, uh, disclose my, uh, my status, uh, at the, at the, when the time that was set to be, and then I was put on a 30 day, uh, unpaid leave of absence as well. And then, uh, yeah, over that time, it was, uh, man, I flip flop back and forth a lot. I mean, it's a huge decision, but, uh, every time I said, Oh, you know what? I did my 30 days. I'm going to go back. It just didn't sit right in, in, in my heart. I mean, I just, I, I couldn't do it. And, uh, so yeah, at, at, when it was that done, it was going to be, I think like Steve said, it was, they were just going to keep putting you on 30 day unpaid leave. Yeah, right. So, so I just so, decided at that time to resign. Yep. Cause I coming out of corrections, I know some, some people in correction, of course, a lot of them were forced to get the jab to keep their jobs, put food on the table, keep their families fed, whatever. Um, but I do know there are some people in the service that, that turned it into a religious thing. Um, in fact, one person I know, she's a, she's a witch. She's a Wicca thing. I don't know what that is, but um, she used that as, as her way out. Um, and, and so they couldn't force her due to her religious beliefs. Did you guys ever try that angle? Well, we were in a group of about 180. No, I think at one point it was almost 190 members. Okay. Um, and guys were trying it and getting denied getting denied there there was finally a few successful ones but out of the multiple guys trying it was an arduous um invasive process that the city set up and uh yeah um so most guys gave up on that angle yeah and and isn't it a shame and i completely understand it um that you've paid your dues to the union for your entire career and when the chips are down where are they yeah unfortunately like I've been a union member like pretty much my whole life. I worked for Canada Safeway, and then I was a teamster working at Canadian Freightways and part of the IAFF. Yep. And to see um, how the union executives have behaved, not just here, but all across North America, yep. I kind of, I'm, I'm scared for the future of unions. Because um, if you're, well, let me put it to you this way. My kids go to Catholic school, and once they start, um, teachers that pushing the pride agenda and the transgender agenda, things that are contradictory to the faith that the, the, yep. the um, purpose of the Catholic school is now become null and void. <laughs> it's it's right. gone. Right? right. If you're not going to stand up for, for the truth, um, what good are you? If you're not going to provide fair wages, fair work in a safe yep. environment, like a union yeah. supposed to do, how much use do you think you have? I think the executives right. maybe got um, focused maybe on their own careers and ambition, which I don't blame them for doing, but you still have to stay focused on 
your job at, at the right. time to do it as well as you can. And but this is this is why it's so important that there's guys like yourselves that are willing to stand up and willing to fight for what's right. Uh, there's not enough of us, but it's important that there there is us and and a number of us, you know, across the country in North America and 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 because this is a this this whole thing when you mention even the school, uh, the schools and the Catholic Church and 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 Christian churches, th this whole thing is is one big agenda, right? There, this is why they've used COVID to to uh, condition and socially engineer the masses for what's yet to come. This is this is a much bigger agenda, so it's important that when we're pushed. Um, that we stand up for what what we believe is to be is right and what we know is right. We, we have to do this, um, and and for a lot of us, for you guys especially, you know, it, it this is the sacrifice. This is, you know, you have to give up a job that you probably loved, um, but it, it's absolutely necessary. Somebody has to stand up for our values and principles. You know. All our we were uh, taught to trust our instincts, trust our experience, our training, go with our gut. And uh, right from the start, all of us on, you know, all of us in, in this brotherhood now, brotherhood now, trusted our gut on this. We knew this, this wasn't right. It wasn't, it just didn't sit well with us. And, no. and uh, it was hard to do that because we got so much pushback. Um, but I, you know, I think I can speak for all of us. We all feel better that we stood up. We all feel yeah. like our souls are clear. Like we're, yes. your we conscience is clear. We know what's right. You're on the right side of history. Absolutely. Yep. And I will say this like, one big part of the lawsuit in seeking accountability um, and to test the courts whether or not they will uphold the law um, so we can mm -hmm. see which, what state our country's in, mm. is that the courts don't uphold the law. Um, I don't know if there's a future here for me and my family. Let's put it that way. Um, but the, a big part of it, like I was saying, is is to look at these individuals, like our fire chief and the, his deputies, um, who were in, hired to protect the citizens of Calgary and lead those who protect the citizens of Calgary, and who failed on an epic level. And in yeah. some ways, mm. I would say to criminal negligence. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, you know, Mark, I, I just going back to what you were saying earlier there, Mark, about uh, um, it's I, I, and I've said it before. Right? It's going to take. I mean, we, you know, we're just we're just the average Canadians. I mean, we, we were firefighters, uh, and that gave mm -hmm. us a bit of a platform. But it's going to take everybody in this yes. country to stand up. I, I mean, it, it's going to take, and we can't leave it up to the politicians. We can't leave it up to. It's going to. We got to get the people going here. And I know as Canadians, we seem we're always a little bit laid back, maybe, and just trying to you know wait it out, or we can get through this. But I we we can't. I mean, if we wait, it's we're not going to have absolutely hundred percent. So I mean, we just need everybody to stand up, <laughs> no matter yeah. who you are. Well, and, and that's the thing. I talk a lot about that. Um, you know, I do a lot of public speaking. I got this platform, and I talk a lot about. You know, all of this stuff that we're going through, the stuff that you guys are going through, a lot of other folks are going through, all of this stuff is necessary, right? Because until the masses, until they're affected, until their bubble is burst, um, we're going to be pretty alone for a while and, until they get woken up. And it's either going to be, you know, Mark Friesen telling them what's going to happen, which most times they don't listen to. 
It's going to be the reality and the consequences of that reality that burst a lot of these bubbles. And then we're going to have this, this critical mass to be able to affect change. But, but it, we have to go through these tribulations to get there. Yeah. No, you're right. It seems like uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Until it affects some, uh, until it actually affects you personally, I, you, you probably are like, well, like, you know, you're sitting back waiting to see if it'll go away, but yeah, it, it's eventually going to affect everybody if we don't stop with the way this country's going. Well, that, Absolutely. I, I mean, of course it is even just with the jabs. I mean, you know, everyone said, yeah, get your first jab and that'll be it. It'll be over. Well, it wasn't over. You have to get a second jab and then you got to get a third booster, a fourth booster. And Trudeau's bought enough boosters for nine of them. So it, it never ends. And hopefully, you know, as I mean, it's 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 a sad commentary that it's going to take all of these deaths from this poison to start waking people up to what's really going on. It's 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 amazing. I think we're seeing more people wake up, and and I yeah, we are you know, I'm still in touch with a lot of guys on the job, and mm-hmm. they are waking up. It's just that they're all afraid to speak up, and that's the biggest part is the 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 pushback when you do speak up, and we feel it because we don't have jobs anymore. But, yeah. you know, even throughout the fire department, the Calgary fire department, at least, guys, people are getting sick. They're still getting, going and getting tested, getting COVID, still getting sick, having various horrible symptoms. And, and there's just not speaking up. I just, I encourage them, speak up, speak your mind. Let 100%. people know how you feel. Absolutely. Be brave. So that day on September the 7th, I was able, I was, that was the day of the silent protest. Yeah. That evening, I was invited to like it was kind of a covert whistleblower meeting um, with doctors and nurses and police and firefighters across Alberta. Um, and the stories I heard there confirmed everything I had seen on the job. Um, not only confirmed it, but shocked me to um, right to my core that I never believed that this was going on in my free country of Canada. Um, doctors uh, were ordered to put people on ventilators and treat with remdesivir, um, which most two out of three times killed them. Um, The nurses were calling it, they're going to make us execute them were their words. And they were crying and I knew it was real. Um, And it wasn't just one case, one case in particular, a 28 year old asthmatic patient, female came in, Obviously, asthma, shortness of breath, uh, trouble breathing. They give her PCR tests, and of course, she tests positive, false positive. Mm. Obviously, mm. the direction of, uh, I believe it was in somewhere in central Alberta. I can't, I can't say the hospital, so I can't say names. But yep. it was that they were going to have to put her in induced coma, treat her with remdesivir, and a ventilator, and she right. died. She died. Sure. And she was so a healthy I, individual coming in. So I don't know, if you, guys, ahead, I don't know if you guys know my story, but I went through a similar thing. Uh, I was actually in a coma for five weeks. They put me on a ventilator. Um, as Before I went to the hospital, I went through seven days of really no symptoms. I was uh, uh, symptom-free other than exhausted. I was tired and whatever. My, my wife had symptoms. She was sick. Um and when I went to the hospital, I, I vaguely remember the first three days, but I remember the doctors coming in and kept telling me I'm going on a ventilator. And I kept telling them, no, I'm not. I'm absolutely not going on a ventilator. They didn't give me any treatment. There was no treatment initiated whatsoever. 
um, other than just lying in the hospital bed uh, under the care of nurses and, and zero treatment. And of course, I continued to get worse. I had pneumonia. And by the fourth day, I was suffocating to death in my bed. And the doctor came in and says, you ready for the ventilator? I said, well, I'm either going to die in this hospital bed or I'm going to die in your ventilator. So I guess that's where we're headed. So zero you know, treatment protocols that, that have proven to be effective uh, nothing, nothing offered, not even, not even traditional medicine, like antibiotics were started. It, it was completely ignored. I was just left there to, well, we just got to put you on a ventilator. That's, that's how we're going to treat this. So you take a step back and you look at why um, AHS was not treating people or being negligent in their care and mistreating people. And the whole thing was to boost the, the death numbers to make people afraid. Because everything was a COVID case is what I was told by these individuals. And this, this wasn't a small group. It was a group of over 100 people there. Mm-hmm. And I know that there were seven ER docs there and uh, over 60 nurses and other like epidemiologists and mm-hmm. people there. So these were like top dog people in AHS. Right, right. So I, I don't know what you guys are allowed to talk about. I don't know what your lawyers told you you can talk about or what you can't talk about. But uh, so how many people are involved in this lawsuit? 19, 19, 19 firefighters. Yeah, 19 firefighters from the city of Calgary. And all of them have either resigned or lost their job? No, no. There's, uh, hmm, I think there's eight of us that have resigned or lost their job and 11 still active. Um, okay. I can't remember, about half a dozen or so that are still working currently. And, and so do you know what it's like for them? Are they are they getting pressure from, you know, their coworkers and, and, and uh, you know, uh, the rest of the, 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 the crew? I can't be for sure. Like I've spoken to lots of them. It seems like now that the lawsuit's been filed, I think people are being careful, right? And yeah. not as cavalier with yeah. their speech. And I, I right. don't, I don't blame them. Um, right. However, I believe most of the abuse, most of the intimidation um, happened at, at the administration level down. Yeah. Okay. Right. So, and how much is the lawsuit? Uh, total of thirty-eight million. Thirty-eight mil. Okay. Yeah. And has there? Do you know if there's been other lawsuits like yours filed in North America? Yeah. Um, Mike, do you want to talk to the CNRL? Because since your brother-in-law is involved there. Uh, yeah. You know what? Uh, CNLR. Uh, they are as well. Uh, my brother-in-law. He. Uh, they're using uh, actually the same lawyer that we are. Uh, they're a little bit ahead of us in the uh, in the process, but they're they're doing it as well. Um, and you know the others like uh, CN, CP Rail, um, the uh, WestJet, uh, postal workers. I know there's a group of uh, uh, in Manitoba that's doing the same thing. Good. Um, so there are quite a few other lawsuits that are there that are coming out. And I think as time goes on, there's just more and more. Yeah. Are there any been... that are there any that have been won? I haven't heard of any that have been too early. So I, I think they're all, they're all still in the process, as far as I know. I don't. I haven't heard of anything that's been finalized yet, or are done, won, or lost. Yes. Yeah, so there was some stuff on online about uh, your brother-in-law's company settling, but I don't know if that's true or not. Oh, I, it, it's possible. I, I haven't heard anything yet from him. He usually keeps us pretty up to date, but. I, if I, uh, if I hear something, I'll definitely let you know. <laughs> okay. Well, and that's, I mean, with some of these that we've seen going through, obviously, like even even a lot of the tickets that were handed out and, and, and a lot of these things, uh, when it gets to court, 
or shortly before the prosecution likes to dismiss them so they yeah. don't have to present the evidence they don't have, right? I, I will say that uh, CNLR, they actually uh, did offer them their jobs back, uh, uh, but with no, uh, like, you know, no, nothing to do with lost wages or any of the time you've been off. It's just like you can have your job back, uh, but and then you have to agree that you can never, ever, you know, come after us again if there's another oh, man out there so crooked. but i think they all basically i think i don't know if i don't think anybody took it to the offer Good. obviously but uh Good. but yeah i did hear that have they come to you with offers not me no 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 no, no. i think they're happy to be rid of us <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know what even if it's like even if even if they it do i mean <laughs> the trust is broken like the employee right. employee trust right. is broken i mean why would you why would you want to go back? Well, that's just I, that was my next question. So, if you guys, if you guys win, and you're proven to be righteous, and I believe you are, um, and you're offered your jobs back, would any of you take it? Would any of you go back? I think there would have to be a lot of changes made um, at the administration level, like a complete yeah. restart. There, yeah. honestly, from what I've seen, I'm a 20 year guy. I don't. I feel like. There's an incredible amount of waste of money at the administration level to the taxpayer. I don't feel like we need the chief or any of the deputies or any of that administration. We have battalion chiefs that are competent in running the city, yeah. um, possibly having one fire commissioner be in charge of it and uh, giving more responsibility to the officers, captains, mm. lieutenants. Mm. 100%. There's so, always been a divide between yeah. uh, our management, our, our, our chief level, and, and the firefighters, there's always right. been a disconnect, but you know, over these last two years, it, it just got wider and wider and our brotherhood got completely eroded uh, because of that disconnect, because management wouldn't see um, who we were or listen to what we had to say. Well, it's a, it really is a microcosm of the greater society and the division that's been created there. It, it's, it's happening everywhere, every workplace, every institution, is exactly the same. It's it's this division that's been created by all of this. And I mean, that's why at the end of the day, we have a charter of rights and freedoms. That's why we have a constitution that we're supposed to be supported by in these situations, which eliminates the, divi the, the divide. If it's followed, if it's recognized, if it's acknowledged, then we don't run into these problems, but it's been so ignored that of course, now it has to go through the court process. And, and again, are we going to find judges that are just as corrupt? You know, it's it's really going to shine a light on some things. Absolutely. Not only within your industry or within your your work, uh, but in greater society, right? It's, it's going it, to, it's exposed the problems with the bureaucracy in, in the city of Calgary um, and, and the, the government of Canada, the government of Saskatchewan, and cities across the country. So, um, you know, it, it, it's a pretty representative example of what's happening. Yeah, 100%. Um, one of our plans was after the chief had said his speech about how he unimpressed we, he was with our silent protest, um, we kind of came together as a group. And uh, sorry, that's my daughter in the background. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> She wants to be part of the podcast. Um, sure, she does. <laughs> one of the plans we came up with a discussion because there was a municipal election going on was to have one of us run in each of the 14 wards of the city of Calgary. 
Uh, I was off with the back injury, so I actually had the time to go and get all the signatures, and I was helping people with the PPC party campaign prior to it, so a bunch of them helped me with a bunch oh, of okay. firefighters. and cool. They actually threw my name in the hat. <laughs> Made a three-week run. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, you know, whenever we talk about this, I, I always chime in because it's it's really one of the things that we we have to get reengaged in, in politics, especially locally where we can actually affect that change at a local level. And it's, it's a lot easier to get elected locally than it is provincially or federally. So if people want to get involved and they should re-engage, uh, the local level is a place to do it where you can affect change pretty quickly. Yeah. Believe yeah. me, the last thing I wanted to do was uh, win and run, be a, be a city right. councilor. I leave the, right. I leave the awesome job like the fire service where everybody loves me to the most hated job as a politician. Right, right. But, you know, there's no leadership anywhere, right? I, exactly, I just saw man. it. So it's like exactly. if, if we don't step up, if we don't try, yes. nothing changes. Yes, 100%. That's, that's been the attitude for too many decades where we've abdicated our responsibility as citizens to people we thought had our best interests at heart, and they don't. And now it, it we're, we're seeing the consequences to this. So we have to re-engage and we have to get involved so we can take it back and take control from these insane people. Yeah. Well, you know what, Mark, you're absolutely, you know what, you guys are absolutely right. I mean, people are tired of politicians. They don't like, we need to get people in yes. that, re that, are, that remember what the meaning of hypocrisy is, that, that, that know, still know right from wrong. I mean, they just average everyday Canadians need to, yes. like I said already, but these are the people that need to get involved in politics and stuff. I mean, I, I mean, I, the last thing I want to be doing is like Steve said, is thrown in the spotlight and, uh, exactly. and, and, you know, not, not, I'm, nobody's trying to get their five minutes of fame here, but yeah. we need to, if, if nobody stands up, it just evil prevails. I mean, yeah. and I think we just need to, uh, I mean, I'm even like Steve said, like, I, I don't even like, you got to start thinking about running for politics too. Like some, some office somewhere, because if, if nobody does, then it's, we're just going to keep getting the same old, same old. 100%. It's why I got involved, and I never dreamt of ever going back to government. I worked it for 25 years federally. I didn't want any part of it, but I found myself running for federal politics twice because the lack of leadership uh, and the direction that, that they're taking us is it completely in the wrong direction. So I have to. We have to do this. We have no choice. Yeah, absolutely. Well, fellas, I, I really thank you taking out some of your time. You're, uh, you know, I, I know you guys got families and, and other things going on, but I really appreciate you taking out your time to, to tell us your story, to tell us what's happening. Do us a favor. Keep us posted. Let us know what's happening. And, uh, you know, maybe in a month or so or whatever, if there's something that you guys got to announce, by all means, get in touch with me and we'll bring you back on and have another chat. Absolutely. That would be awesome, much. Mark. Thanks, awesome. Mark. Thanks, yeah, thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, kudos to you. You guys have a whole lot of respect by all my viewers and, and everyone who's watching. So thank you for what you're doing. Thank you. You, you served your communities for a lot of years, and now you're still serving them. So good on you. Thank you for doing what you're doing too, Mark. You're doing an awesome job, man. Got to do it. Appreciate it. No choice. All right, guys. Bye. Take care. Good night. We'll have you back again soon. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Good night.
All right, so Calgary Firefighters, uh, three of the 19 that have filed a lawsuit against Calgary um, City. Thank goodness. Good on you. I hope that inspires others to do the same across the country. Regardless of where you are, we have to fight this bullshit. Um, and there's some, there's three stand-up guys right there representing uh, the Calgary 19 and, and good on them. I, this needs to happen across the board. Um, I, I'm so I'm so happy and, and inspired by people finally taking a stand. Um, it's phenomenal. Love it. Anyway, um, where are we at? It's uh, well, we've been on for 45 minutes. Uh, I guess we'll just close by talking a little bit more about uh, this this little convoy or protest that's coming up uh, <laughs> on Saturday. It's starting to shape up pretty good. There's sure a lot of chatter. There's sure a lot of talking. There's a lot of people getting involved. A lot of places. Um, really declaring um, their solidarity behind what's happening. And uh, I got to show you this. This is good stuff. Uh, hang on. All right. So, whoop. stop it. So check this out. I just saw this on Twitter. Uh, it'll give you an idea of how many different communities have come on board with this uh, slow roll supporting the Dutch farmers and our own. Uh, it's pretty impressive. Sudbury, Sault Ste. Marie, Thunder Bay, Timmins. New Liskeard, Timis Gaming, Manitoulin Island, North Bay, Castleman, St. John, New Brunswick, Moncton, New Brunswick, Kingston, Ontario, Saskatoon, Bancroft, Ontario, Yorkton, Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, Montreal, Lloyd Minster, the Golden Horseshoe, Grand Prairie, Edmonton, Pinocchio Start, Edmonton Atchison Start, North Battleford, Red Deer, Ottawa, 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 and Alberta's got a whole bunch of different ones set up there. And of course, they forgot Moose Jaw to Regina, which will be a big one here in Saskatchewan. Um, so yeah, you know what, it's, uh, it's happening. Uh, I love to see this. Absolutely love to see it. Never doubt that a small group of concerned citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. And we're about to embark on that change. Let me tell you, 
this is in uh, Melbourne, Australia, um, en route to Parliament in protest of soaring fuel costs. So just so everybody knows and everyone has context, everything we're seeing in all of these different countries, all of these different societies lighting on fire, protesting government is related to sustainable development. All of it. All of it. Everything is related to that agenda. All of it. Everything you're seeing is in response to that agenda. I've said it for I don't know how long, four years, maybe longer, that it's coming. It's coming. It's going to happen. There's no way humanity is going to accept this. They, we just can't. And we won't. And they've underestimated humanity. These globalist pricks. These anti-humanists. This guy's really good too. I'm going to play this one as well. Destroys itself in the end. So in what destroys itself? So mass, the masses always destroy themselves. Totalitarianism always destroys itself in the end. So and once you understand that, you understand. If you belong to the group that doesn't go along with the masses, you just have to make sure that the masses exhaust themselves, destroy themselves before they destroy you. And the only way to do so is by continuing to speak out. Because if you continue to speak out, the mass formation won't go so deep that they physically destroy you. And you just have to wait until the masses become weaker. And then the small group usually will gain traction, will start to become more powerful. Absolutely what's happening. And they'll finally be able to change society. Yes. Because, and that's the good news, this small group is going usually is, is usually going through a very fast psychological evolution. It becomes mentally more powerful just because it sees the masses, it sees the dehumanizing impact of the masses. And the small group, if it makes the right choices, will become more and more in touch with the essence of humanity yep. and with the essence of life. Absolutely, 100%. Couldn't agree more. And so I did an interview today with Epoch Times. I encourage you to read it. Um, I've been shocked here lately. Uh, the Moose Jaw Today newspaper did an incredible report on what I had said in the event that we held in Moose Jaw. Um, completely accurate to what I had said and a lot of the things I say in it. They brought it up. They talked about sustainable development agenda. They talked about the consequences to it. Everything that I had said, they had taken pieces of and accurately reported it in an article in the Moose Jaw today. Phenomenal. It's the first time I've ever seen any sort of mainstream media actually report the truth and accurately uh, portray what, what I have said. I am always, always vilified, labeled, ridiculed in the media. Always. It's never happened like this. There was another one. Uh, in Davidson, uh, Saskatchewan, it's a town halfway between Saskatoon and Regina. We did an event there. Their local rag, their local reporter, actually reported on what I said. Amazingly. Accurately. And then, because the food bank was the fundraiser, 
the food bank was interviewed and they were so happy that this event took place and they took in a lot of donations and made a lot of money for the food bank. So not only did they report accurately what, what happened there, but they actually painted us in a, in a good light by being associated with, you know, this fundraiser for the food bank. Uh, I'm, I was shocked. I'm still a little shocked. It's the first time it's ever happened where people are actually reporting the truth and, and I can't help but thank them and, and, and showcase and highlight them to, to encourage it to happen more. So then today I get a call from Epoch Times. Epoch Times does a lot of good work and they seem to tell the truth. Um, I, there again, I, I did an interview. I spoke with him for about 15 minutes on the phone, maybe 20 minutes on the phone. And he writes an article that is exactly what I said and what my concerns are and how it's related to the sustainable development agenda. It, it's phenomenal. It's cracking people. It truly is cracking this whole facade, this whole bullshit that they've had over us for decades is starting to crumble. It's starting to come apart at the seams. Keep your foot on the gas. Keep pressuring these people. Soon we're going to get news that Trudeau's resigning. It's going to happen. Keep up the pressure. Keep doing what we're doing. It's going to happen. We're going to take our country back. We're going to take our provinces back. We're going to take our cities back. We, it's up to us. We have to do it. Nobody's coming in on a, on a white horse to save the day. So stop thinking there's a silver bullet. Stop thinking there's a quick fix. There isn't. All of this is necessary to bring people together, to force people to finally re-engage, take back the responsibility that we've abdicated for decades and, and do something about it. And we are. And it's it's such a beautiful thing. This is why I've said for so long, it's such a beautiful time to be alive. We've never had this purpose. We've never had this I had to fight for freedom and fight for our way of life like we're going to have to right now. Never had to do it. What a time to be alive. What a time to to live in a, in a time where your life means so much to the future of our country, to our kids, our grandkids. Now is our time to make that happen for them. Yeah, grassroots rural will rise. Absolutely, 100% they will. 100%, Lori. It's not going to be the urbanites. Are you kidding? The urbanites are already addicted to government. The urbanites are already addicted to this dependency on, on government. To, to be, They either work for government or they're supported by government. It's not going to be the urbanites. It's not going to be those people. It's going to be rural Canadians that come together and pull us out of the pits of hell. Guaranteed. Guaranteed that's how this is going to go down. 100%. Anyways, uh, I think that's all I needed to show you. Oh, yeah, right. Anybody wearing this pin, this lapel pin, anyone wearing that is a globalist. Just so you know. Oh, yeah, this is good. I'm going to play this, too, just for fun. 
Welcome to the simplest solution for rolling out and growing your WordPress site. Select one of our beautiful themes. Great news, the vaccine is on its way. Oh really? That's right, it's a brand new mRNA vaccine, so. mRNA, that's never been done before, right? Oh no, it's been done before, it just never made it out of the testing phase because all of the animals kept dying, but, uh, but it'll be different this time. How so? Well, we're not gonna do the animal testing, so. So you're just gonna go straight to testing on humans? You can say that. I mean, even so, don't most vaccines take years to develop and decades to test? It's here, the vaccine is here. Uh, already? That's right, it's here and it's 100% effective. No transmission, no infection, and you don't have to wear a mask or stay locked down anymore. Wow, really? Yep, I mean, except for the things about the mask and lockdown, yep. Uh, okay, but it's 100% effective? That's right, 90% effective. And frankly, 85% effectiveness is really incredible. Oh, so it's only like 85% effective? Eh, not quite, it's uh, more like 75%, but hey, 65% still very good. And I mean, they said we'd never even get to 50% effectiveness, and we did, almost. So 40%, really great achievement. So it's only like 40% effective now? Eh, for a bit. A bit? I mean, it wears off. So. Well, after how long? Well, like four to six. Four to six what? Booster shots a year. Okay, so it really only works like right after you get the shot. Well, not right after, because we don't even consider you vaccinated until two weeks after your second shot. So, okay, so it takes like a month for the shots to work, but it wears off. And even then it only gives you mild protection, but you have to get boosters that also wear off. You still have to wear a mask and you can still get COVID and you still have to stay home. And there are rare but serious side effects and all of this over a virus that has a survival rate of over 99.5%. Whoa, 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 I never said anything about uh, serious side effects. Uh, are there though? Uh, certainly none I've ever discussed. Yeah, but have there been reports of serious side effects? No, 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 I mean, it, Except for like AIDS or whatever. Did you say AIDS? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, basically you like get AIDS and then there's this heart thing where your heart explodes and sometimes half your face falls asleep forever and uh, almost everybody gets extreme nausea and pain at the site of the injection. Sometimes they just die right there at the injection site, but we're not sure that's caused by the vaccine, so we will not be looking into it. I, I cannot believe that pharmaceutical companies would actually release this to the American people. Oh no, it's totally fine. They're completely indemnified against any wrongdoing, so they'll be fine. Right. Look, a vaccine is literally the only plan I have, so it's happening. It's coming out and everybody's taking it. Even if it's risky, even if you have natural antibodies, even if it doesn't stop transmission, you are taking it. Wait, but you said it did stop transmission. Oh, did I? Oopsie. No, I don't think I'll be getting that shot now. Well, what if I offer you some tasty french fries? No. Mm, okay, well, what if I throw in a single glazed donut? No. You drive a hard bargain. Well, what if I give you a chance to win one million dollars? I mean, I feel like you're just trying to exploit my desperation at this point. I mean, look, this is about bodily autonomy. Oh, no, that doesn't exist. We, we checked. Checked with who? Uh, well, the experts, obviously. Uh, tell you what, what if I tempt you with not losing your job? Oh, so it's going to be mandatory. Oh, nobody's mandating anything. It's entirely up to you whether you take the shot or whether you lose your job and become a despised pariah unworthy of basic decency or life-saving organ transplants. Yeah, I feel like you're forcing me to get this shot. Nobody is forcing you, just take the jab. Uh, I'm not gonna take the vaccine. Just, just take the jab. I feel like I'm being forced here. Take the jab. Uh, no, 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 you know what? I don't deserve this. I have a right to my own body. Uh, maybe I'll go protest. A protest, yeah, that's, uh, that's fun. Say, do you like having a uh, bank account? What? I'm just asking, do you like having access to the money in your bank account? What are you saying? All I'm saying is there's no reason for you to be scared of a little needle. <laughs> Nothing to do with it. It's the only way to stop this pandemic. But you said it doesn't stop transmission. Exactly.
that doesn't make any sense. God, some people are so stupid. You're not trusting the science hard enough. Look, it's not me telling you to take the jab. It's uh, actually your sister, Sarah. What? Yeah, your sister, Sarah, is requiring a vaccine to go to her wedding. So she works for me now. Oh, God, I mean, it's like a once-in-a-lifetime event. All right, I guess I'll get the vaccine. <laughs> wow, what a coincidence. Where are the children? Yes, and I have one more thing. Thanks uh, for bringing that up, Yeg Freedom. Uh, so, yes, I actually found out a while ago, I was actually in Estevan uh, doing a, uh event there, and shortly before we went on, somebody sent me this that we had made the a, uh, uh, UNESCO list of conspiracy theorists. So the UN... In fact, UNESCO put together this list for everybody. And uh, let's see if I can make that bigger. I guess I can't. Maybe we can do this. Maybe this will help. That's got to say something. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, whatever. It, it's funny how they refer to us and they're still trying to do it by, by dismissing and labeling and ridiculing and shaming us as conspiracy theorists. When I only ever talk about what they're actually doing using their language, using their agenda that they openly promote, that they openly discuss. Um, somehow still they're trying to frame us as conspiracy theorists. It's unbelievable. And uh, hey, it just means I'm doing something right. That's all that means. And I'll just carry on doing exactly what it is. So that's it. So uh, that's going to be a wrap for tonight, guys. Uh, I appreciate you coming on and sharing it out. Um, again, I'm, I'm so horribly shadow banned on Facebook. It's ridiculous. Um, but whatever. We'll just keep pumping it on and trying to get through and bust through. Um, yeah. Other than that, you'll find this. Also, I will upload this episode uh, onto our podcast, Apple Podcast, Podbean, and um, Spotify. Podbean also puts it on a bunch of others uh, as well. So uh, whatever your favorite podcast thing is, platform, we should be there. It's under the Forum for Canadian Sovereignty. So 
Uh, you can find it there if you want to listen to it at work. Crank it up so everyone else can hear it. And uh, <clears throat> that's that. That's a wrap. And remember, globalism, bad. Nationalism, good. Ciao for now, folks.